Thanks for checking out our Legacy Church podcast. We know you'll be blessed and encouraged. Now here's today's message. It's interesting that the first miracle that Jesus did was at a wedding. And it makes me think that God loves marriage, that he would do his very first miracle at a wedding. You know, we're created to be people who have relationships. And God does not want you to be a lone ranger in this world. It's impossible to live life happy without other people in our lives. And so there's all kinds of relationships, and, and we'll kind of talk about all different kinds of relationships that, you know, and I'm sure one, something today is going to speak to you personally. But I want to just begin by saying that the importance of coming to Christ uh, is not only that you're going to get saved and live in heaven eternally, but your life changes on earth. And the first thing that God starts to deal with is your relationships. And in the book of Romans 12, 12, 12, 2, says, do not be conformed to this world. And this world, and, and we all grow in the world, and we all have philosophies that we gain from the world, and we all have ways of thinking, and we have ways of acting, and, and ways of relating to people that come from a worldly mindset. And Jesus says that that mindset will never bring life to you. It only brings destruction. And so when you come to Christ, what happens, and this is how you know that something supernatural has happened in you, is your affections start to change. Your desires start to change. You start realizing that, wait a second, I don't feel right when I'm doing this and doing that you start noticing that there's a change in your spirit where you get, actually get convicted. It's called conviction of sin. And, uh, and, and something in you starts saying, I can't live this way anymore. And I can't be doing what my friends are doing anymore. That's how you know that you have been born again. Because your spirit, which is the part of you that goes to heaven, is born by His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And when holiness comes in you, you notice the difference between darkness and light. And so I always encourage people, make sure that you have had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And you know that because everything in you starts desiring another way of living. And in that, God starts removing you, and He does this, from influences that corrupt your behavior And he brings you into another world, the kingdom of light, where you now start to surround yourself with new relationships that bring health to you. Bring health to you intellectually, emotionally, spiritually. Bring health to your family. Bring health to your marriage. And it's so important that we leave this world of darkness and we come into a new world. Because you can never, ever have a good marriage in that world you'll just become a statistic or live in bitterness and unhappiness. But in this world, you can have a great marriage. In this world, you can have a great single life. You can have a great life because God is with you. Amen? 
Okay, we'll start off talking to some singles today. Alrighty? Um, we'll start with you, Emmanuel. Do you find it different being single and a believer versus how society portrays singleness? Like, what's your mindset as a Christian concerning being single and uh, being happy versus what the world tries to put upon singles in this day that we're living in? Yeah, I feel for me that, you know, being single and, and being a Christian and being a part of a church, there's like, there's a lot of pressure that society kind of puts on you, not necessarily to be in a relationship. Well, yes, to be in a relationship, but not to be married. But the relationships that the world tries to pressure you into having, it's, it's, it's not a good thing. It's, it's very, it's, it's almost sort of like, you're, you're trying on clothes or you're trying on socks. You're very open to, oh, if it doesn't work out, you can just move on to the next and just have a list of people. And, you know, growing up in the church and you, you see a lot of healthy marriages and you kind of think to yourself, this doesn't make sense. If you try to do what the world tells you to do in terms of having a relationship, it doesn't sound right. So when I'm in the church and I'm single, I'm, I'm happy because I know I'm not just working on myself to be the best that God's created me to be, but I'm also taking my time in this. I'm enjoying the season that I'm in. I'm building the man that I want to be, and I'm doing things that, you know, maybe I couldn't do if I was in a relationship, but it's definitely, you know, hey. <laughs> but it's definitely, it's, it's a blessing that not a lot of people recognize because being single, you have the time that you, you have to, to build yourself and to, to build a stronger relationship with God. And it's, for me, it's like I'm, I'm taking it day by day, and it's, it's been a blessing every, every step of the way. And I know the Lord has the one, so patience is key. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a blessing every day. Josemary, you want to add to that? Yeah, um, I think the biggest cliche, or at least we think it's a cliche, is that singleness is a gift. Um, but I think like every other gift, if you don't use it, you can lose it. And... With singleness, I think, or at least being single and a believer, you decide to put your trust in the Lord. You decide to have faith in the Lord that, that he has the perfect one waiting for you. And I think the world just has so much worry and it wants to, to put so much loneliness on you when really the Lord is there with you every single step of the way. Um, one of my favorite verses is in Matthew 6, 34, and it says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. And I think so many times we get so caught up in the future that we forget about where we are right now. I ask myself the question all the time, Lord, how can I be a better sister, a better daughter, a better friend, a better servant? Like, those are the questions that we can ask when we're single. That's awesome. That's awesome. Here's another question. Yeah, you can clap. That's great. There's a lot of wisdom in believers. Let me tell you, a lot of wisdom. Here's a second question. As a single Christian wanting to be married one day, what priorities or boundaries should I have? How about Tunde Kayla, tackle that one. For, um, for priorities, I think keeping it simple but important of obviously having God as your priority, you should definitely be living in remembering that you are like who God says you are and your boundaries should be what God says your boundaries should be. You shouldn't be listening to like external voices or, um, or things that just aren't of God. And, um, in terms of like, um, setting those boundaries, I think just having like 
a, a Christian friend, like a real Christian friend who knows who God is like you and, and knows the Bible and knows those boundaries. So they will correct you um, when you're in those type of scenarios. And as far as like an accountability partner, so like someone that knows you, knows your struggles, knows your triggers to like help you like walk through that season. That's good. I just want to add to that because I literally had the exact same thing to say. But I think that it's so important, like especially when you're single, to have accountability um, because after singlehood comes dating. So if you're not comfortable with accountability while you're single and having people put their finger on something and say, I think you need to work on this, then when you come to dating, everything is in the dark. Everything is kind of like, I can figure this out. I don't need other people. And that's where the danger comes in. So accountability sometimes is scary and sometimes it's, it's such a big word, but it's just protection and it's for your future. So that's why we always talk about accountability. And that was the biggest thing for me coming to the church, just knowing that, wow, like it, now that I have accountability, like look at the growth. So again, you do it now, it'll, it'll benefit you in the future. Carlos, maybe that's good. Carlos, maybe you can address, like what Denise is saying, accountability. Like, what does that mean? How does somebody, you know, say who's new in the church, coming into church, how do they find that, that someone would watch over them, like, or for their protection? Yeah, and I think even, like, leading up to, right now, we're in a cruise season. So you, right now, what cruise are is a small group. So our church, give it out to, shout out to cruise. <laughs> So if you are new to the church, definitely I encourage you to find a crew because literally when you join a crew, you gain a family. And um, within a crew, you'll find someone that you'll connect with, you know, if you're new to church. And typically you'll connect with them. And, and how it typically works, like Tunde was saying, find someone that's spiritually on that same trajectory as you or someone that's already been in that trajectory or that's in that relationship. Um, and you just say, hey, you know, I'm thinking about so-and-so. What do you think about it? And that person being open and honest, open enough to hear, oh, actually, I think you should work on, on, on yourself still. I don't think you're ready for a relationship. As much as a hard truth that might be, but that's what accountability, true accountability looks like and sounds like. And it's up to you to receive, oh, you know what? Let me, let me listen to what he's saying. Even though my flesh says, I want this girl or I want this woman or this man, whatever. So you have to be able to understand that when you're, Asking for accountability, you find it within the church, you find it within crews if you don't have any friends in church. And then from there, you just kind of walk that walk. And typically, you know, practically, you know, someone reaches out to me, I'm praying with them, trying to help ask questions, you know, what are you guys doing? What's been going on? And, um, and there's just different ways to go about it, but I think practically that, that's kind of what's been happening into my life. People are like, hey, how are you and Denise going? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, uh. And then, you know, it's your opportunity to kind of share and then get wisdom, you know, because I think at the church, understand every, we're here for you. The church, God loves you, and we want the best for you. It's not that we want to see things destroyed and your life a mess. We want the best. And um, so. Yeah. And usually um, you'll find that, as you become part of the church body, the church family, God starts giving you brothers and sisters, you know, aunts and uncles, and not only pastors, but the people around you. And when certain people might see something that might not be right, that you might be heading in the wrong direction with the wrong person, it just won't be one person that tells you. You know, it'll be, God will start, you know, just bringing many people, waving the red flag saying, 
this is not good. You know, it's not good you're violating all these principles of the Bible. And, but, you know, what tends to happen, you know, as pastorally, I can tell you this, that lots of times, um, are, once you enter into a relationship and you give your heart, um, Jesus himself can come to you and show up and say, this is not good. And, and usually that person will say, well, Jesus, I kind of know better than you. You know, you don't understand, you know. You don't understand. This is different. I know that it's not the Bible, but um, it's different from me. And so that's uh, important to, to realize that, that God comes to help you. The church is here to help you. Your brothers and sisters, when they see something that's out of line, they want to help you so you don't end up breaking your heart, number one, and being a statistic. Amen? Here's a question, and we always get this question. What does the Bible say about um, intimacy before marriage, intimacy in marriage, and living together before marriage? Um, you know, some things in the Bible are kind of gray areas. You know, you kind of have to discern, and, and when you know the character of God, you kind of understand what the Lord is saying. But this area here is very, very clear. Um, the Bible says that in any form of physical intimacy is for marriage. I know this is completely contrary to the culture that we're living in. Matter of fact, people think that, you know, before you get married, you have to kind of try people out in this area. And just think how um, hazardous that is. Um, how um, it's, it's kind of like, not only is it immoral, it's kind of abusive that you're, you're going to try someone out in this area. Um, so the Bible does say that intimacy is for marriage. When you're married, tell you, go for it. The Bible says, you know, don't withhold. Don't be tempted. Go for it. Enjoy yourself. Have fun. It's a beautiful thing. You know, within the context of marriage, it's a beautiful thing. Outside of it, what happens is, number one, it creates soul ties. And soul ties are spirit to spirit. Because the Bible says, like, when you get married, when you have intimacy, there's a spiritual union that happens. There's something that connects in the spirit. And obviously, when you get saved, you ask God to forgive you, cleanse you, deliver you. And he is faithful and just to forgive you. And his mercy is new every morning. He washes away your sins as far as the east is from the west. That's what the Bible says. But once you're in Christ and know Christ, um, you, you better do what God tells you to do because otherwise you're inviting pain into your life. Okay? So um, we won't stay there. But it's clear living together is never right. Well, you know, we're not going to be intimate. You know, what do you think? We were born yesterday? <laughs> Man and woman were created to attract. You know, even, you know, as dating, putting yourself in positions where you can be tempted. You know, alone, someone's house, the lights out, laying on the couch together. You know, let me tell you, you want to go into marriage um, pleasing to God. There's a blessing in that. There's a blessing in that. You know, I can thank God. My wife and I were together 
three and a half years before we got married. And uh, I would never recommend that. I would say, you know, be friends, really get to know the person, make sure everyone's, you know, behind your relationship. Um, Good, long friendship. But then once you know this is the person, get married quick so that you don't get tempted, right? But uh, we did it the right way. And I thank God because it's a testimony that I can give my kids, you know. We can do it. You can do it. It's a testimony you can give it, give to anybody. You know, as hard as it, it is, and that's why you have to be wise. But the Bible is clear. You don't have intimacy before marriage. The Bible calls it. You know, there's a word for it. I, I don't know if there's kids here, but but um, as they'll go home and start looking it up. I don't want to get you know, but um, it's not right. Do things God's way. There's always a blessing. Amen. Okay. Alrighty, let's see. If you're in a relationship, how do you know when they are the one? What should I be looking for? How about Zach and Britt? You haven't said anything yet. How do I know that they are the one? That's a... <laughs> well, after, the, after I heard you guys' story, huh? after I heard your story, you got to share it now. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> so me and my wife, we met in uh, the Marine Corps. Um, Hoorah! (laughs) Hoorah, yep. Thank you. Um, (laughs) So, basically, if we want to fast forward a a little bit, um, it it wasn't going so well. We were separated. When we got out of the military, um, I came back to Rhode Island. I'm from Rhode Island. My wife went back to Ohio. um, And we were doing the long distance thing. And um, basically, you know, when my, my wife, she exemplified Christ before I even knew what that looked like. And when I was faith, you know, faithless in our marriage, she was faithful. And um, she drove in a snowstorm to visit me. Um, like, I don't know if you guys remember back in like, was that 20, 2013? No, 14. 2014, there was like blizzard, 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 blizzard. Well, one of those blizzards, she drove from Ohio that was supposed to be like a 13-hour trip. And it was like 17 hours and she made it to me and basically um, she, she meant to stay for a, a weekend and she, she never left. Um, but even then there was a critical moment when on that Sunday where she was supposed to leave where, um, you know, she literally gave me an ultimatum. She, she, was, she packed her car, she was ready to go and she said, if I leave right now, don't ever, you know, don't ever contact me again. This is it forever. And uh, I didn't realize it at the time, but that's I That's a Marine right there. That's a Marine. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that, that, you know, that's that small, still voice say that, you know, you're never going to find someone like this again. Um, you're, you, no one, <laughs> she made me a better person. And it took that moment, all in that moment, I was like, shh. In that moment where I realized, like, wow, like, look how crazy this woman is for me, that she would do this um, and throw it all on the line with all my, all the stuff, all my junk, right? Just like, once again, just exemplifying Christ. He saw, with all my junk, she saw through it, right? And she saw what I could be. She saw my potential, and she chose me. Um, and uh, I, I knew I wasn't going to find that ever again. So I, I was oh. like, no, don't go, stay. <laughs> so. Good choice, good choice. <laughs> Amen. Amen. 
I'll give like a really short version of why I did all that. Um, when we were in the military, I did, had no idea what I was looking for in somebody. Um, but, you know, me and him were kind of like talking. And I had told him about this situation with somebody essentially like harassing me at work. And it was like, it got really bad and really uncomfortable. And being a woman in the military, not many people were listening to my complaints. I got put on night crew with this guy and it just was really uncomfortable in any way. I'm not the person to speak up. I'm like an awkward squirrel, so I don't ever like voice my opinions to anybody. But one day, um, Zach got like his whole chain of command and he marched into my shop and my heart is like beating like so hard. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm about to get in so much trouble. What is he gonna say to my higher ups? And he like blew the lid off of this situation that was happening. And, um, and yeah, I don't know what he said to my higher ups, but I know that they never bothered me again. And yeah, <laughs> maybe don't tell him what you said. But, but my point behind that is um, it made me feel safe and it made me feel protected and he cared for me in a way that somebody hadn't before. Like I was in this military environment where it didn't feel like anybody cared and he protected me when I couldn't protect myself, so. That's awesome, that's awesome. Go Zach. If, if you're watching online, if you go home, you can share this because I think there's some great information that will help people. Um, let's continue along kind of the same line. Um, why do you choose your spouse? You know, why? why? There's something that, you know, as a woman, would you tell the ladies here, this is what you're really looking for? As a guy, you know, what would you say to the guys as to what you're looking for? Yeah, <clears throat> I'll go. What, what attracted me to Denise is that she loved God and Jesus more than I did. Like, that was her thing. Ever since she was young, we met very young. We met in middle school. And we were friends for all that time. And she'd always had a passion for Jesus, always had a passion for God. And honestly, as I grew up and someone said, like, Jesus needs to be the cornerstone of your, your marriage and stuff like that. Like, as soon as I heard that, I thought of Denise and I was like, oh, my goodness. And that literally, like, pulled me towards her, knowing that, you know, um, now that I'm older, that's like our foundation is her love for Jesus is kind of what drew me towards her and made me choose her. And she made me better. She made me better. Amen. Love you. You notice all the guys are saying she made me better. Thank God for women. Thank God for wives. Amen. Amen. With Kayla, um, we knew each other since you were like a sophomore, sophomore in high school, I think. But um, we always had the same friends, same friends groups. One of our friends would like me. One of my friends would like her. Um, I'd be like, dang. Um, <laughs> But um, it was actually after high school, college, everything, where I, I just knew, um, it was before I was, like, really born again, but I knew, like, I needed someone who was, like, selfless and would make me, like, better, like, be, like, my puzzle piece. I know it's a cliche. So, and that's what Kayla did. She would, like, you know, uh, make me live in the moment more instead of thinking of the next thing. Um, we had jokes, like, I would say, like, She's a, the baby whisperer. Like, she was just so loving. Like, I'd be in the grocery aisle behind the baby, like, doing silly things, and the baby wouldn't smile. And then she'd just, like, talk to the baby once, and the baby would smile. So I just knew, like, she had, like, just the essence of being, like, caring and loving on her that I definitely wanted in a spouse. And I was going to say, when Brittany was talking, I mean, when jo uh, Zach was talking, and Brittany was almost crying, I'm like, Kayla would definitely cry right there, because <laughs> that's how she is. <laughs> but you can tell them about me if you want. 
Um, I was not saved before I met Tunde, and I knew that. I knew that uh, he needed God to be first in our relationship. And the first time I came to church, he asked me to be his girlfriend. To add to that, um, <laughs> so um, Pastor Ron was, he was preaching that, um, and as you can see, like, Kayla's, Kayla cries easily, so she goes through this whole service, and I'm like, I, like, withhold my, like, crying, and one Pastor Ron sermon, I was bawling like a baby, she goes through this whole sermon, does not cry, like, whatsoever, so I'm like, oh, she didn't get the Holy Spirit, she, like, it didn't work, and then, um, I drive her back to her apartment, and I, I literally just said, like, anything? And she just starts, like, weeping. She's like, I felt like he was looking into my soul. And she's going into all this stuff about Pastor on Sermon. And uh, my friend calls me, and I'm like, yeah, uh, I'm with my girlfriend right now. And, he, and she's like, you didn't ask me to be your girlfriend yet. I was like, that's all I needed to, to see. That's awesome. Um. I don't think we have a lot of time, so let's, let's pass through a couple of these questions. This is a good question. How do you handle disagreements and conflict in marriage? Anyone want to try that? <laughs> Sorry. Um, I don't know. Use the mic. <laughs> I would say that we definitely have not mastered um, conflict. I think it's, it's just difficult. Um, but I would say, um, after being married for 10 years, almost, I think that there's, I don't know if this is like a scientific term, but I know that there's like, you know, the love languages, but there's also like an argument language that people speak. So like when we would disagree, I was very much so like, I need to talk about it now. I want to confront it. We need to like bring it to the table. And when I would do that, he would kind of like withdraw, wouldn't say anything. And to me, I would translate that as like, he doesn't care, he doesn't want to fix it. But for him, he needed to withdraw. He needed to take some time, think about it, and then we come together, right? So in understanding that, um, I think that as the years went on, we were able to actually fix issues and not let them continuously come back up because they were never addressed because we didn't know like okay what is it how is it that I deal with conflict how is it that he deals with conflict so just being very like um aware of how it is that you deal with contract what, what are the things that trigger you um but also one thing that we learned and again I thank the church for it is you have to have rules, like, when it comes to even with conflict. Like, there are things you do not say even when you're upset. It does not matter. You do not say things. Uh, divorce is never something that you throw at, out there. Um, and again, like, you still love this person. Like, this is the person that the Lord has put in your life. So you're not trying to belittle them just because you want to win this argument or, you know, it's, it's, it's your win. No, like, you need to have, like, these rules and it's non-negotiable. So it's like, regardless of the problem, regardless of the feeling, these rules stand and, you know, it could get heated. You, you know, maybe you won't talk for a little bit, but there are rules set in your marriage um, that you do not cross. 
Yeah, I got a, I, I got one. I, I, I just want to like mostly for the for the for the men or the husbands here is is just uh, just a little bit about like leadership, especially when it comes to conflict. Is that uh, just because you're supposed to lead your household does not mean that you have to be dominant. Um, you don't have to you, you don't like you don't have to be dominate every single situation. And sometimes leadership just looks a lot like learning how when to shut your mouth. I mean that's I mean that's kind of funny, but. It, it, it's leadership is uh, sometimes just being kind when, you know, your spouse is, you, you know, you can tell that she's in a mood. It's just, it, sometimes it's just moving out of the way, getting yourself out of the way. Um, you, you can, you can lead that. You can lead that way. Yeah. Yeah, for real. I mean, she is a Marine, so I gotta, I gotta look out at what I'm saying. But just having wisdom, like understand, recognizing the situation. Is she mad because I left the cup on the counter or is she mad because she had a bad day with the kids and she might be lashing out on me? And, and do I say something about that? Like, is it necessary? Or can I just be quiet and move my cup and it's not a big deal? Yeah. Picking your battles, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, the only thing I want to add to that is just... Um, I think a big breakthrough for me in our marriage and just like in little things is I actually did one of the freedom crews here in the church. So shout out to those. But um, one thing that they said to me was a way to tell if you're harboring unforgiveness is if you're still having like a conversation in your head um, like, like, oh, I should have said this to him or I should have done that or I should have, you know, what he would have really believed me if I said this, whatever, however you're working it out. And I, I'm just gonna say like, forgive quickly every time. And even if you aren't 100% ready to forgive, speak it out because the Holy Spirit will honor your heart and what you desire unity with your husband. So I just, I, I've seen a lot of marriages fall apart because of resentment that they held onto for years. And it was a little thing that they just let spiral. And then before you know, 10 years later, it's an explosion and their marriage is falling apart. So learn to really forgive and let it go and move on with your spouse. Anyone else? Just really um, quickly, I would say, um, just don't go to bed angry. Um, Ephesians says, like, don't let the sun go down in your anger. And I think that's something that has helped us a lot. I'm someone who, like, wants to resolve it right now. Um, Kayla's someone who's, like, you know, we can kind of be more patient with it. So sometimes that's the case, too, where it's like, hey, we'll, we'll talk about this tomorrow. But you're still going to go to bed without having that anger. And then um, something came up with, honestly, all these answers. But when Denise was talking about, like, um, it being non-negotiable, it's almost like you want to set the tone for like what your arguments are going to look like when you're calm. It's like teaching a toddler, which sometimes I can be when we're angry. But um, <laughs> but you wanna you wanna teach the toddler when they're calm, and then they'll kind of remember it when they're in that moment what you taught them earlier. So decide while you guys are peaceful, like what your, your arguments are going to look like. So Kayla, like, will never call me a name or never throw words at me. Um, things like that that are important and she lets me lead but she's also like if we're having that she knows I'm going to stick to that agreement so like if my voice is rising she's like hey like your voice is starting to rise right now and then God's like you better not mess with her so that's how it works you know let me let me add this that if you're going to have um, resolution of conflict um, make sure that you find resolution 
you have to resolve things. You can't leave them hanging forever. You know, and I know there's a waiting time, but resolve them. And then secondly, be careful how you speak to your spouse in front of your kids. They're going to learn from you. And, you know, if you're going to fight in front of your kids, you better resolve it in front of your kids because they need to see that you can resolve it, you know, um, because you don't want to put fear on your children where they're always worried, what's going to happen with my mommy? What's going to happen with my daddy, okay? It's better to hold it. Self-control comes from the Holy Spirit. And just pray. How about praying? <laughs> pray, Lord, how do I, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? Do I need to repent? Do I need to repent? Ask the Holy Spirit to be part of resolution of conflict. And he will. He'll help you. Um, okay. I think I'm going to ask just two more questions. Um, what would you give as the most important advice to someone thinking about marriage? And maybe what are some of the fallacies about marriage? Singles, you guys can answer this too. Like, um, you're a single. What would you tell another single? What was it? Sorry, can you repeat the question? <laughs> say, say advice about if you're thinking about marriage, what do you think a single should do? Mm. I'd say if you're thinking about marriage and if you're a single, you have to understand that the relationship... So we, we talk a lot about it in youth, right? Where if you wanted to get into a relationship, you're, there are some things that you need to have first, right? So you got to have a job, you got to have a car, you got to be mature, you got to have leaders, you got to have accountability. And we do these things to set you up for your relationship. And obviously the end goal of the relationship is marriage. So if you're looking to get married or if you're a single and if you want to get married one day, I would say it's like, just make sure God is speaking to you that this is the one. Because the last thing you want to do is try to pursue something and enforce something that's just not God's will. Um, a lot of it is, is God's timing. Although you may feel like you're ready, the other person may not be. And still having that patience and that discipline and, 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 and waiting, um, which, is, which is okay. It, it's normal. So I would say is if you know that, you know, if the back of your mind, if you see someone like, oh, she's the one or if he's the one, then, you know, waiting on God's timing is, is very important. Yeah, um, I'd say the one thing for me is to absorb everything you can as you're single. Because I've sat through like a couple of these panels and for me, I take wisdom every single time from the people that have fruit, from the people that have gone through it. Um, I'll use the example of fights or conflict. Um, like what does conflict look like to you right now? Do you blow up? Do you um, act immature? Like what do, what do small things like that look for you? Because then when you get into a relationship or when you're thinking about a relationship, like you have these tools backing you up and you have all of this wisdom backing you up before going into it blind. So absorb every, all the wisdom you can, absorb everything, be a sponge and use it for when you want to get into a relationship. Yeah. Um. I don't know if this is exactly the right answer, but um, I think if there's any one thing I wish I'd worked on in me before I seek to spouse would be being slow to speak. And I think I'm probably speaking mostly to wives or future wives, but um, I think if you can learn to speak life into situations and not negative, but also learn when to not speak. <laughs> because women, we like to like run our mouths a little bit. And in a marriage, if you can't do it before you're married, if you can't hold your tongue, it just gets that much harder <laughs> when you've got you know, a spouse in your house. So, 
<laughs> I, in Proverbs, it, uh, it says, well, you know, a man that finds a wife finds a good thing, right? right. Um, and if you pay attention right there, it says a man that finds a wife, which means when he finds her, she's already a wife. So you have to be, just, just coming from a, a, the, the man's perspective, you, you got to know what that means. You got to know what, what is a wife, what is a good wife. And um, in, once again, in, in Proverbs you know, 31, um, it talks about um, a noble wife. And um, in verse 10 or verse, verse 11 and 12 kind of sum up the whole thing that it says. And, and I think I'm paraphrasing at this point, but it's, you know, um, a husband, you know, he fully trusts, you know, his wife. Um, and she, she does him only good all the days of his life and no harm. Um, and it just goes with my, my wife. I just want to give her a little praise report real quick. She's always speaking life into me. She's always correcting me and encouraging me to go forward. And she just makes me better. And you just got to find that. <laughs> okay, let's, let's do the last question. Um, what do you do to keep the romantic flames burning? Oh, that's easy. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, we and, can tell. <laughs> Four kids, let's go. Um, so, Next question, next question. <laughs> Intentionality. I don't know why, and I know it's all personality trait too. Like For some weird reason, ever since even younger, I've always was intentional to make her feel special. And it was like simple things, like her favorite candy at that time was Skittles. Um, so I would like find her through class and I'll give her Skittles and then, um, then it changed. And as we got married, it, you know, in your marriage, there's moments where you kind of lose that a little bit. You kind of, other priorities come in, there's kids, there's jobs, there's other things. And just remembering, I got, no, she's the main thing is God, her, then, you know, then my kids, my friends, and everything else. Um, so, so sometimes when I, we first got married, it was kind of like she was there, and then life happens, and then she, like, comes down in the level of priority, and then, then our marriage suffers, and then we're arguing or disagreeing on things, and it's because of not being intentional by putting my wife um, where she needs to be in my life. So being intentional, and then um, and just it doesn't have to be expensive, too. Um, one of the greatest wisdom or things I learned from Pastor Ron and, and the leadership here is like, you could just go out for a day to Newport, just walk around, get a slice of cheese pizza and just have a good time. And that's literally like what a majority of it, just spending time with each other. So um, spending time with each other. Yeah. Um, Carlos has always been very good <laughs> at caring for me, like he's saying. Um, and I think when you take the time to be intentional and see your spouse like through everything else, like through, you know, the stress, through your job, like through children, you are looking to your spouse, everything else begins to like fall into place. So like if you lose that, like that connection with your spouse, then like the parenting kind of like gets a little harder, like work starts to get a little, you know what I mean? Like I think it just kind of like trickles into everything else. But when you guys kind of make, that priority and are intentional. Um, I think we've gone through seasons where again, like, you know, we have very little kids and sometimes it's, it just is busy, but I know that my husband um, doesn't go down in the priority list 
because of my kids. Like I know that if I'm not connecting with him, then I am not a good mom. Like I, I just know I'm, I'm not a good mom. I'm not a good minister. I'm not a good sister. I'm not like, it just kind of, again, it just trickles into everything else. So, um, even with children, like, I just want to say for those that have children and you know, you're, you're married, children are temporary. Like once they grow up, they're going to get married, they're going to leave and you're going to be with your spouse. So if you guys are not intentional of growing together, of checking in on each other, saying, oh, you don't like Skittles anymore? Wow. Okay. Didn't know that. Let's, <laughs> let's reevaluate. Um, oh, you don't She's like flowers? that right now. He, he's just <laughs> learning this right now. <laughs> no, no, no. He knew, he knew. <laughs> but maybe, you know, okay, like maybe Valentine's Day, like, oh, you know what? I don't like flowers anymore. Maybe now I want a gift card, which I heard someone say that, and that's genius. Um, <laughs> um, so just different things like that. Like, you, you don't, you're not the same person. Like, I am not the same person from when we first got married. I have changed. I've, I've grown. So doing that together like you need to do it together otherwise you're growing apart and you just become roommates which is really sad and I know we're short on time but I also want to say it doesn't need to be a cookie cutter what works for us is not going to work for them and and so on so on understand you don't give up on pursuing your spouse don't give up in figuring out what works you know it took me a long time to figure out what works and because again like things happen and back to being single I heard this term that was like genius where it's like learn what gets you angry learn what gets you what gets you angry upset so then you could understand your triggers and I was like that's genius I never heard that advice when I was single but then now when I'm married I learned that but for young people understanding or just in general learning that what applies for people listen to the wisdom apply it and if it doesn't work doesn't mean this relationship doesn't doesn't mean it's not going to work out just figure out what works for your relationship because uh, we're all unique in God's eyes amen well that's good can we give it up for the panel that's awesome. <laughs> we are going to have a, a marriage seminar this summer, so we'll let you know when. Um, you know, I want to just add to a couple of things, and we'll pray and close. But, um, you know, my, my wife and I, we learned probably in our 10th wedding anniversary because um, our pastor, Pastor Stephen Nancy, they got a revelation that they went away alone and for a week. They just went alone, no kids. And they came back and they, they, their whole marriage was just kind of sparked. And, and, and then, he, you know, he would tell us, hey, you know, it was a great thing. We just got away alone. We didn't bring the kids with us. And it was like we we're meeting each other for the first time. You know, there was no one else there. And uh, so we started doing that our 10th anniversary, just finding a week, having someone, you know, care for the kids, and we got away alone. I know for me, I was really enjoying it, but after three days, my wife wanted to go back. She missed the kids. But, um, but we've been doing that ever since, a week alone. And if you can't afford that, um, we found that sometimes we couldn't afford it, but we would just kind of go to Boston for one night. You know, it didn't cost that much. We go to Boston for one night, and we spent two days there and just holding hands, walking around, and and it just rekindles, 
you know, who God has blessed you with. It rekindles how you felt when you first met this person. It rekindles how much that person really means to you. And it goes both ways, you know. Um, but I would say that, and then from, from a single perspective on what you're looking for, um, make sure you're looking for somebody who will love Jesus just as much as you. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with family and friends. It helps so much. For more content with Legacy and to connect with us, go to LegacyChurchRI.com. The best is yet to come.